0: You deserve it. And you know what else? You're welcome! Drop, man's been my cock. Pink, the adept, and boosters, the clean bar, they're Gate the Geek, mir, keins, ach, the drop. Welcome to Kill Me Now with Judy Gold. I'm your host, Judy Gold. And uh, this week we have part two of my interview with Elizabeth A. Davis, who is so fucking talented. It's just annoying. It's annoying how talented she is. But uh, she's also lovely. So, you know, you'll enjoy the uh, interview. As you listen to this, I am in Eretz Yisrael, the land of Israel. I, I do hope, I do hope you enjoy it. Sit back, relax, I'm probably on the plane to Israel now while you're doing this. And that's where sit back, relax, and enjoy the flight, but it's enjoy the show. Uh, But I am in business class because I am gigantic. So I hope you enjoy. I really hope you enjoy. Here she is, Elizabeth A. Davis, with myself, Judy Gold. When you got nominated for a Tony, for once were you fucking like
1: can you take me to that morning oh my gosh enough Claudette Burke so I want to write a play about Claudette but that's another story so we lived in a brownstone uh with the cheapest rent you can imagine with a washer and a dryer We lived what, there- was it, did you have one floor of the brownstone had yeah, the whole top floor of the brownstone.
0: So people don't, like some people don't realize living in a brownstone, you either have a half a floor or the whole floor. And if you're a fucking oligarch, you have the whole building. Go ahead.
1: Brother and sister owned this, this building mm-hmm. and on the top. We rented $1,450 is what we paid when we moved in with a washer and dryer. It was on central, like one block from Central Park. On the Upper West Side? Uh, on the top of the park. So 111 and 111. Oh yeah. Okay. So why would I be nominated for Tony duty? So then I was, I didn't stay. I'm like, I'm not, this is not a part of how this works for me. So wildest dreams, not even clocking, not. Uh, so I was asleep. I was dead asleep. I think the night before I'd gone to the theater forward gala and Jesse Mueller had performed as well as Harry Connick jr. I do remember that. Wow. So I was exhausted and Claudette, who we had an incredible relationship with a Caribbean woman who is taught me so much, who we now no longer speak. She hates my guts, but that's another story. Oh, um, no. Very sad. Very sad. But she came screaming up the steps. Uh, and I, I'd already had like, I don't know how many missed calls. Yeah. It, it was, unbelievable. it never entered your mind ever the night before you were it, there. You weren't secretly wishing it, it, nothing like that. Well, because I didn't know how the <sighs> really worked. This was my first Broadway show. I'd been doing plays. And also we were such a tight ensemble. So I know now, like, look, it, when, when when the committee wants a show to win, of course they throw more award nominations at the show. Mm-hmm. So I, I still struggle. I still struggle with it. because. Oh God, you have to let it go. Okay, thank- I, I need- You
0: have I need- to let that go. You earned it. Now- who was the first person you called after you found out you were nominated?
1: I'm sure it was Frank and Melody, because the only reason... Okay, I, good. You know, the only reason is because they, you know, did Pygmalion and cast me as Eliza. and Right. You go to
0: the Tony Awards. Do you expect to win? It, but... No. So you had no expectations, because again, you have your armor, and then... Uh, but secretly, are you like I hope I win? Did you prepare a speech?
1: No, <clears throat> because I didn't consider myself a musical theater artist. I consider myself an actor who plays. So the thought, so then suddenly I was being called in for shows where I'm like,
0: right afterwards you said you you were pigeonholed. But also, can I just say something about Jordan Richard? He is a you know he's he's also. A creative person, but he's also a you know a news director, and he made a video of the night of the Tonys for your future offspring. How sweet is that?
1: He's he's endlessly thoughtful, and I uh,
0: you fucking lucked
1: out. I did.
0: Yeah,
1: I got that. Yeah. My gosh! I I recently had a very painful health journey, Judy. We um, I had a miscarriage recently. Oh, I'm so sorry. Too, so, I'm too. It's you know that's one piece of a whole year of right that, that I really don't have. I I don't have an Emmy to talk about yet, openly. Right. But we, we we found that video, uh, right around the same time as we were walking through this and. And what what it what it did make me do is it made me so deeply thankful for my son for Josiah. right right Josiah yeah who was a wise king I bet was I mean he's he comes from the Jewish scriptures so what is it what is that what is that yeah. but you know it's 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 so hard you know
0: I have a such a diff, I have a perspective on. On having children cause I'm gay and it wasn't easy. It was not easy. It was expensive and it was mm. very difficult. Um,
1: you have two, right?
0: Yeah. But my ex had one, I adopted him. I had the second one and she adopted him. So, you know, miscarriage, which is the worst thing in the world mm. is the body saying, this is not, this is not going to work out. Mm. Um, but it's so, it's like, it's funny because you seem so vulnerable about that. You're, you allow yourself to be vulnerable about that, but yet you're so against being vulnerable. But it's like, but you you said to me earlier, you know, being in a relationship, it really kind of changes you and lets you focus on yourself. And I I was waiting to say, having a child, multiply that by infinity. I mean, I'm a
1: completely different, person. And I, I'm so thankful. I'm a completely different person. Right. I'm, walking through, you know, previous history, I, you know, that is, that is a, that is a woman that I don't even recognize more because of the shed layers of gender. right, right. I'm just a walking heart. Now I'm just a walking heart.
0: But don't I, you think it's fed into your creativity because I'm just going to say something. I don't, because people don't know that you're well, you that people do know you're a playwright and that you also have the most incredible instagram account that i was just you kidding i reveal unseen
1: i want you do you do the do you do the photographs judy that started wow i you know what i want i want a grant to be able cuz we had to stop doing these cuz i have this incredible team my photographer uh jd urban i have a, a costumer sumaku uh aaron it's so it's i want i was like i want to be i want to be on this judy come to listen we got to get a grant because it is such an let's talk about a labor of love nobody got paid and nobody my this is what it came to it said i get pigeonholed right it's like we left uh- we, we, Hello. Hello. I got the. How, wait. How do you
0: make a pigeon noise? Yeah. Okay. Pigeon Try being a fucking six foot two inch Jewish lesbian. Okay. Thank
1: yeah. you. You come do the real scene, and we will give you four distinct looks.
0: That oh, she- I want to do it so bad. And Anne looks amazing. Anne Nathan.
1: Amazing. We went up to Hudson, Hudson, New York, where J.D., our photographer, lives. Right. And the, did you see the picture for like laying on the ground? Yes. Yes. And I was like, "That's Anne." Like, it's so fucking great.
0: Everyone, please check this Instagram account out. It's mm-hmm. called "Reveal Unseen." It's so.
1: I was like, I couldn't stop looking at the photos. I'm so thankful and uh, uh, um, appreciative that you brought that up because we have put a lot of this on hold just because of money, but. I would love to get a grant for women in the theater, women in the theater and you're hello. So my, my hope that we can do not only actors, but maybe a director, maybe. A- <clears throat> right now it should be women
0: period, you know, yeah, um, because we are being assaulted, but anyway, hello. our rights are. Yeah. So you go to the Tony's you don't win. Do you get a pit in your stomach? Like when they don't announce your name?
1: I felt, can I, I guess this is weird. Maybe it's imposter syndrome. Maybe it's like knowing my skill set. Right, right. I felt relief because I thought I am not ready to be cons- to be outed as that. Yes, and and that's another. So when I began writing and bringing now I now I'm ready in any category. I'm like actor, writer, musical theater. I don't care. I'm ready. right,
0: right. So you you get nominated for a Tony for once. And then you quit once
1: to go do do
0: off-Broadway Brecht. Brecht. Okay. To do, for no money, to do an off-Broadway play. Um, Straight play. And your husband,
1: Jordan Richard. Gonna freak out. He, like, loves you. I love him. He is
0: uber supportive It's like honey and and I heard him say you know the money was great but you gotta be happy you know I mean that is fucking the supportiveness you are so fucking lucky I am because you, you have Jordan Richard so mm-hmm. you go and do this and and did you have any regrets like oh my god I could be making a shitload of money right now
1: or were you just like I did fall into a deep dark depression <laughs> you did but I was also, play, you know, it was. I left for multiple reasons. I left for multiple reasons. It. I had been in the Broadway show for a year. I knew that this was not the identity that I could live under. Right, of. right. You, yeah, I hear you. And you started
0: writing. It made you start writing.
1: I returned to you the and then I started writing and then I did plays. And then I also started doing other musicals again. And, and, and I now feel that I have come full circle in such a way that I'm stepping into this musical theater role.
0: I'm oh, also- right at 1776, which is opening right. on Broadway, which I can't wait to talk to you about because, but before we talk about 1776, you had an interesting COVID experience. Mm-hmm. So Jordan Richard is A, (laughs) he was higher, he's, you know, he's a well-known news producer, um, worked for Lester Holt, but he does other creative, he plays bass in a band.
1: Also, can I say one short thing? He also, we made, uh, when we had our, our, our first miscarriage, we went to Italy and we shot a short film called For You. And if there are any folks out there that have walked through this particular road um, it's on YouTube. It's called for you. We've been able to get into festivals, et cetera.
0: Right. That's uh, great. For knows. you. For you, Yeah. So it's so funny how every, every experience
1: of yours is processed through art. Every experience, you know, it's beautiful. You know, I don't know. I don't know how else, I mean, I'm, I'm a one trick pony. I I, I'm the same way with the jokes. It's like, it's all
0: processed into, you know, comedy or, um, it's a coping mechanism. So, yes. and it's a weapon. I also believe art is a weapon, but so he works at NBC yes. with Lester Holt. Lester basically says to the people, this is when COVID hits. That's right. Uh, and it's, the city is completely shut down. And Lester's like, this is the story of our time. This is for you, for the, for the people, for, for us, it was nine 11. That was the story of our generation. This is the story of your generation. And he, Jordan Richard, made this, you know, very difficult decision. Um, He was hired as a a designated survivor uh, for NBC News. And you and Josiah went back to Channing, Texas um, with Melody and Frank. And you lived apart. Did he live at, at 30 Rock? I mean, he, he, I know that at times they were in a studio, but then they were also working from home. But, you know, here's a guy who's so used to, you know, doing his job and then coming home to his wife and his son. Uh, and he is reporting on such a, I mean, it must have taken such a toll on him psychologically because he was so embedded in this tragedy. And he had no support system,
1: you know, i th- I think everyone had a has a story, yeah, scenario. But for Jordan, like he's so well um the way he's wired is to just roll with it. It's what makes him so good in the breaking newsroom. like he's right calm and chill. But I did there were ways in which I've noticed things coming coming out for him that I never that I hadn't. There were things that were coming forward that like babe that this is affecting you and like how could it not affect you but of I'm, course i'm so used to him being able to be like to be the steady cam. <laughs> hey no, come uh, on do you do jokes for a living
0: uh, no, yes
1: so uh it, it was it was it was deeply difficult just like it was for everyone um I, and i felt quite guilty that you know he was he was on the subway judy I know I, I couldn't. He was on the subway during covid and March, 2020 March, April, May on the subway. You couldn't even get a cab because there were no cab- there were no cabs. Yeah. Um, so that the people of New York could know what was going on. And I, I'm so. He
0: yeah. did it for the greater good. But, you know, I also think it, what a gift that that Josiah got to spend, uh, you know, quality time and chanting, you know, with Melody and Frank on like irreplaceable, unreplaceable. What's the word? Irreplaceable. Unreplaceable. Now, see, now you're making me question myself. God damn it. But, um, I think it's irreplaceable, but
1: I mean, he, Josiah would never would have had that opportunity. It was an extraordinary gift. He picked up the hoe. Can I tell you? Hey, gardening tools, like melody, like he just became the rancher that I knew he, He always wanted to be. That's Uh,
0: your next play, Josiah likes
1: hoes. Go ahead. I'll start it tomorrow. (laughs) But I look. I have written. I've written a musical and a play that are set in Channing, and it's the perfect place for a play for kitchen sink drama. You can't. Yes. uh, A a better location. Uh, Yeah.
0: Offer is valid for a limited time, terms and conditions may apply. You're welcome. You have also said fame, no,
1: work, yes. How old was I when I said that? <laughs> I was I was young and stupid, just kidding. Um Do you still feel that way or no? I do. I don't want to be famous if there's nothing behind it. Right. That is exactly right. I, that, that
0: really hit me because. You are famous. Oh, please. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Okay. Whatever you say. I I don't think of myself as famous. I think I've been around a long time. You know, I made decisions in my career that definitely had an effect on my career, which was, you know, once my son was born, I came out of the closet in the mid-90s as a gay parent, and, and it definitely tra- changed the trajectory, but I couldn't live with myself. Yeah. And what kind of message is that to my kids? You know, we don't talk about this. So I totally when you when I heard you talk about fame versus the work you know, I do get the most pleasure from doing the work, you know, like sitting, getting up and writing and, and being creative and being proud. Of, that was the thing. Like I've always been in, been in therapy for so long and it's always like, well, what do you want? And I said, I want to be respected by my peers.
1: Yes. I want to make things that leave an impression that can benefit. I, I, want, to, I want to, offer. I want to offer work that makes people think differently. I, and I, don't you want to do that more now because of Josiah? I mean, it makes it
0: even. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I yeah. want. Be, and as hard as it is being away, like he was on a Facetime last night, he literally—he's reaching his point. He's—he's he's done being away from Mama. I'm done being away from him. I mean, I'm working as hard as I can to be there as often. Right. And I've always—I always thought this as I was 35 when I had him. I cannot lose myself for me to lose who I am. Oh no. he must see a a mama who is proud and passionate about what she does. Okay. Can I tell you something
0: as the mother of a 25 year old and a 20 year old, and I did the same thing. I had to travel. I had to be away. They don't remember. They don't remember. They don't. And what they do remember is that you know, that they're the priority that, you know, because I, I have an ex, you know, and we're very different parenting styles and, you know, I see where I benefit, uh, but, you know, from just always letting them know that they come first, you know, and they don't, I mean, when this is, you're going to love this, but when Henry was a little, and he was in, my older son, when he was at daycare.
1: I was just thinking, we have not had enough bell lately. I
0: know. When he was at da- Henry was at daycare. There were a lot of Jews at daycare and it was run by a Jew. Okay. So um, I would go away. I would have to go do Hollywood squares and all this stuff. And um, he would go and he would be sad. And so we wrote a book Called when mommy goes away my friend who's an artist illustrated it and it was all about everything i do from the minute i leave the house to, to go to la to go to the hotel to go to and all the whole time it says what i'm doing and what i'm thinking about is him i can't wait to tell get back so i can tell henry blow and where can I get this book you can't i know it was like it's in a note. it's like we hand wrote it and he would bring it to school every day when i was gone and it I still, I mean, I have it, it's fading, but, and I was like, oh, this should be a book book. But then a publisher said, when mommy goes away, sounds like you're dead. So, uh, (laughs) it was such a great coping thing for him.
1: Thank you for that. And again, using art, engaging his creativity, uh, alongside mom's creativity. That's really beautiful.
0: It was, it was great. So anyway, I'm telling you, They don't remember. Um, okay. So, I mean, Henry does remember one time I was late to his fucking soccer game and he fucking keeps torturing me, but he's late to everything. So I don't care. Okay. So let's cut to, you're a mom. You're, uh, a wife. You are a woman's minister. Richard, uh, uh, Jordan Richard is a lay pastor. You're, you're very into faith. Um, you have a pit bull And very faithful people. They very, I, you know, I love dogs. Um, and you have a new play childless, which is in development. Yeah. Um, you wrote a short play home and tropic. And of course, check out the Instagram, the reveal, um, unseen, but you are going to be starring as Thomas Jefferson, in 1776 on Broadway. And again, your violin yeah. is your friend because Thomas Jefferson was a violinist. Mm-hmm. And so you're playing. It's a gender bending 1776. How's it go?
1: How is it going? When does it open? I'm so excited. Me too. We, I was not sure what was going to happen. I thought it was just a little old show. This is a massive show. This is a massive show. Uh, uh, Thomas Jefferson did, uh, very proficiently play the violin and it's the first time I've done a show with a violin after once I did John Doyle's Allegro. Oh, um, that's
0: right. That's right. I'm sorry. Forgot to mention that.
1: I, 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 the musical I wrote was with active musicians. There's other shows that I've done, uh, including the violin, but this is the first piece I've done where it's historically written into the narrative. You know, there's a song called He Plays the Violin in the show, which Betty Buckley, who I love. Oh my God, I saw I saw your Instagram with I love Betty Buckley so much. Okay, I can't, I can't say, I can't say everything now. Just know there is, I personally get to have a big announcement soon that involves Betty Buckley. All right, anyway,
0: blah, blah. Oh my God, I'm so, can you tell her to do my podcast? Are you kidding? I, I, I fucking love her. And what about, wait, did you ever say
1: eight is enough to fill our lives with love? I have not, but let me tell you, Betty. Oh, God damn it. Listening, I, I, re- I can say this. Recently, I had a dinner with Betty Buckley, John Doyle, and myself. Mm, jealous. Hearing them, I just sat there like with my mouth open. Right. And hearing them talk about theater history together as if it was, you know, just trippingly off the tongue was one of at this point in my life, like one of the most amazing moments of. of I theater. love
0: those nights. I love those nights. Right.
1: It was Incredible. So we've been able to talk about a uh, talk about that. Um, and she's also a dyed in the wool Texan who loves her horses. I think that. You and Betty talking with. Oh my
0: God. I love her. Now I read that you, um, for, you know, talking about work, 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 and doing your due diligence that you, uh, the cast was privy to Harvard
1: professors speaking about all the characters in the play. Listen to this. Annette Gordon-Reed is an African American woman from Texas She won a Pulitzer for her scholarship on Jefferson and particularly for uncovering a lot of scholarship about Sally Hemings. Right. And she was available to us via Zoom. I've had two moments. Uh, Let's see. Um, Vanessa Redgrave came backstage for once. And the way that I felt, I felt this similar feeling when I was talking with Annette Gordon-Reed. I don't know how to explain it, but. She just knows everything about the character I'm playing. She knows everything. Right. and uh, so her scholarship was. I've I've read a couple. That's just amazing that you have that resource. Mind blowing, and there's so many references in 70s, 1776 to Boston and for the. And so every night, as we're saying this to these Bostonian, right, right, right. It, it's almost like Diane Paulus knew what she was doing. <laughs>
0: She's incredible. but you know what's amazing? I, I, it's amazing to me that an African American would. Would want to study Thomas Jefferson.
1: Obviously, her interest was in Sally Hemings, was in this dichotomy. Right. Them. But but she also, you can tell, which is what I hope this production does. We are a very diverse cast, gender, race, etc., cetera. And there's some, some alchemy that's occurring that we're being brought close to these white men from however long ago. And there is a fusion that's occurring and it's pretty spectacular to feel. And just like the job of the actor is to put it, my job, I, I, I view my job is to say, put aside your perceptions, put aside what you know. Right. As a blank slate to this character, do not judge them. Do not, do not decide to be curious enough to draw close and to learn something. And I think that, that everyone in the cast is being, is, is willing to do that. And so I hope that people feel this co-mingling of real patriotism along with real conviction. And, and then what do we do with that as Americans right now in this pivotal moment? Well, that's why it's, it's so important. I mean, right now in in our
0: quote, unquote democracy, I mean, this, the timing
1: I, I mean, it's like divine intervention. I agree. And it's almost better now than it would have been when it was going to happen.
0: Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You, you got a, you got a little angel up there, um, helping you out. I have to meet you in person. By the way, my luggage was stuck in Boston. I could have had you go pick it up the other day. Cause I live in Provincetown. Most of, you know, I would say half the year, um, Oh,
1: I want to come see it. Why don't you? If I could, uh, you, I would I would I'm not going to say I would urinate myself.
0: Okay. You you wouldn't because you'd see you'd be like, "Oh my god, she needs to lose a little bit of weight." Um <laughs> I'm kidding. Um is it and do you do Jordan Richard, uh Richard Jordan um Jordan Richard and Josiah, do they come visit or do they take, do they drive? Do they take the train? I, it's not a bad, it's not a bad drive.
1: Bad, And also I've been getting like $90 one-way tickets on, on JetBlue. They're, they're the best. That's what I do. I do Cape Air or we call it Cape Scare from
0: Boston, from uh, Provincetown to Boston. And then I do JetBlue. JetBlue. JetBlue
1: the blue, so he has, Josiah has his own room. Oh.
0: See, I did that with my kids. Like, I would go away for six weeks to do a sh- a something, and they would come. It was fine. They, they're better for it.
1: But I've been going back and forth. They've come a few times. You know how it
0: is. Yeah, I know. I know.
1: Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the...
0: my podcast guests two questions
1: Yes. always.
0: Okay. Number one, we are very pro mental health. I suffer from a lot of, you know, I'm an inbred Jew. So, um, anxiety, depression, ADD, you know, among other stuff. So what do you do for your mental health?
1: Thank you for asking. Uh, Jordan Richard will not mind me saying this. Um, both he and I, he lost a brother to suicide. Oh my God, that's awful. And I lost um, a, a close family member to suicide as well. We are very attuned to, um, to this issue. And you can also check this out. Jordan Richard did um, what was called 35 by 35. And so in honor of his brother and for Suicide Prevention Awareness Month, Uh, When he turned 35, he did 35 things he'd never done before. And in honor of his brother, who was no longer alive. And first of all, to answer your question, we talk about it, which sounds so simple, but it hasn't always been that way. It's sometimes extraordinarily difficult. Mm -hmm. Things as I I, earlier, I'm, there are some things that I've walked through recently that I'm, I'm just not ready to talk about yet. And I'm still processing them. And so I guess I would say that I've had two seasons of depression in my life, two real seasons. And I think I'm an Enneagram for Judy. And... <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I, I'll, I think the, the wiring that I have, um, comes up against depression whenever I realize that I have miscalculated, um, that I have made a miscalculation that now will have repercussions that I'm now going to have to deal with. And the realization of that journey of, of walking through whatever that repercussion may be is the thing that usually depresses me.
0: That's interesting. That's so interesting because I never thought of it that way, but the miscalculations... Yeah. are, su- I hate this word, I hate this word, but they are the biggest triggers for me too.
1: Because I can, cons- because I try to be so cautious. In- right. I don't know if cautious is the word, but I try to constantly big picture things. Ar- and ar- you have armor. You have armor. You have a toolbox
0: that you go to.
1: Right. I'm trying ever so incrementally to to replace the tools that are- helpful,
0: right. You know,
1: to get rid of the tools that are just for bludgeoning rather than for preciseness. Yes. And, uh, so, so yeah, so that has tends to be, I guess I'm now seeing the pattern of what will really send me. And also I was recently told by a therapist counselor that, that depression is sometimes looks, they're like, it doesn't look like you're depressed. You can be depressed and it doesn't look like it. So I'm now uh, uh, more aware of, I try to be more aware of asking. That's so funny because, uh, well, I I had a very bad
0: clinical depression um, and you knew, and I was so skinny. But anyway, um, (laughs) but it's true until I had that clinical depression, that major, (coughs) which literally took me years to recover from, I didn't commit suicide thank God. Um, But I, it gave me an understanding of why and why people do it. And that changed me. You know, you understand so much more when people are like, Oh, it's such a cop out. Like that pisses me the fuck off because yes, it is until you feel that until you get to that place where you think everyone will be better off without you. Don't judge. And so I always like to talk about, you know, mental health and talking is so important. And my therapist this week said, um, she really talked about focusing on, which is so hard for me because all I do is focus on what the next bad thing is going to be that happens to me. And she said, you don't have to do that. You can relax, you can enjoy, you can, you know, and it's like, I grew up in a, you know, a household of just w- don't relax because something shitty's about to fucking happen, you know? And that's how I've lived my life.
1: Yeah. You know what? I had my first actual uh, panic attack about two, three, three months ago. First, I, I did not know what, in keeping with the like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Deeply process. I tried. But I'm still, I can handle, I can. And we were laying in bed and we were talking about one of our neighbors and, and I don't, I knew that I wasn't having a heart attack. I thought I I didn't, I didn't think I was having a heart attack, but my husband was like, Jordan was like frantically reading like, okay, this is a heart attack. This is a panic attack. Okay. Right. But I was still, you know, and then I started talking to friends and they're like, oh, yeah, I, I had a friend who, who I never talked about this with. And and she said, oh, it's like I call it the horse hoof, like a horse is standing on your yes, chest. yes, yes, yes. Like, oh, you too. Oh, you have the horse hoof. So uh, I, I I ended up taking myself to the emergency room just because the horse hoof did not go away for like three days. Right. And I, and I was like, my chest was physically sore. Yeah. I thought, okay, maybe, anyway. Oh
0: my God. I, I am so empathetic that I'm like, you're feel feeling, like, yes, I feel it. It's so bad. Okay. All right. So I, whenever I, and I have these days where I wake up cause I, I have diurnal depression. I've said this a million times on the show. I have it during the day when the, when the sun goes down, I, I have a little bit of a sense of relief. So,
1: um, say the first word
0: diurnal, diurnal, and then there's nocturnal, like William Stryon had nocturnal, which is at night they would get melancholy, but anyway. And I wake up and I'll know I'm like, up. Uh, and I have been through so much therapy and cognitive, cognitive behavioral therapy, which yeah. is the best. I have a list of people I will text, and I am. Uh, I want to be on your text thing and I'm going to text you. And I just say bad day. And I just, that's all I say, having a bad day today. And it just hearing from someone who knows how that fucking
1: feels is so helpful. How, what, when you, when, when you text, when you say bad day, how does it manifest? How does it physically is there a physical activity you do that can, that can lighten? Is there a, well,
0: I have to do physical activity, period. I have to get the, I have to either go for a walk or exercise or force myself to exercise, uh, play the piano or put on some sort of music that will take me away. You know, something like an orchestral piece, something, Yeah. I, I have these coping mechanisms and also the cognitive behavioral therapy helps me identify this is temporary. This is this is fear. It's not real, you know, like you do all that. But I feel like when I literally reach out to someone who knows exactly what it feels like, it's like a fucking 500 pounds lifted off my, like I went here, You you know,
1: and, and, yeah. yeah. That's life. That is, yep. we don't have that. We must have those people community, you know, my, your church community, your synagogue community, what, you know, whatever that Ann and I talk about this, you know, her, her synagogue, her family synagogue, Right. my church community, you know, people that are like-minded that can say, I love you. You're going to be okay. That, you know, bad day, like, you are not alone. Just that. Right. Right. It's a Sunday. And, Cause it's so temporary.
0: It's temporary. And you just want someone to say it's temporary and it, you don't want it to be, you know, your mother or your whatever, put someone who hasn't dealt with it. But my mother was lovely. Amen. I rest her God, rest her soul. But when I, when I was depressed, she literally would call me every day and say, are you better? Are you better today? Are you better? Are you better? T-? And, and I, and it was just like. But it was so funny because it was her way of dealing with it, you know? All right. Here's question number two. Okay. Now, I call the podcast Kill Me Now uh, because I really get annoyed. Like, I can't even tell you everything bothers me. Like, I say kill me now all the time because I can't fucking take people. Yep. I want to know what pisses you off more than anything and makes you fucking mad crazy. It could be anything. Oh, gosh. I'll give you. I'll give you one. Give me one. I was at the fucking Provincetown Airport for Cape Air, and this gate agent who and I know everyone at that fucking airport for years. I've been flying there out of there for thirty fucking years, and this new woman because everything is bureaucracy. I mean, I know everyone, but she's new. So they, you have to give your weight, and because uh, it's a nine-seater plane, yeah. And I'm gigantic and I have a fake knee. So we're standing there after I had a bad experience with this woman. And uh, she and I always ask for this one seat that's by the door that has legroom, And because I can't really maneuver inside this tiny little plane. And so the woman, this new gate agent, we're waiting. There's eight passengers. And she points to me and this guy. And she says, you're in seat two, you too. And I said, I really, and I always say this cause I know everyone at the airport. I don't think I can even get to seat two um, because I'm so big and my knee. And and she's like, you weigh the most and the weight of the pla- the the weight needs to be in the front of the plane. And I was like, you fuck, I go, you're fat shaming me now. I mean, I'm, I don't look fat cause I'm gigantic. I'm tall, but can you fucking believe it? So I, uh, today I am calling the station manager and that woman is getting in so much fucking trouble and she lost my luggage. Okay. So that's my kill me now oh, moment.
1: Gosh, kill
0: me now too. Right. Um, so I hate when people like can't think on their own
1: and they, you know, who the fuck says that? Okay. I, sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Then I will, I will, instead of going in a more, in a more morose direction, I'll say this. You know, in movies, when someone is supposed to be playing an instrument in a movie, in a in a like, it's like you have a five million dollar budget, right? Like, and you are that person is clearly not playing. Right? The- oh, I fucking hate that. You couldn't hire somebody to actually play the instrument. This is a this is a multi million dollar. That makes me insane. Well, it. it- It's so fake, especially at the piano. And you're like, I'm like, no, that's not what's coming out of the piano. That's not it. So you like, please, please just at least like find an extra who actually, but that drives me crazy. And this drives me crazy. I'm about to indict myself though, because I'm doing a Virginian accent right now that I know is not accurate. And I'm so angry at myself because what I'm, I'm from Texas it is a very specific, it's hard R's. It's the back of the throat. It's really specific. And you, you have to imagine that you're keeping dirt out of your mouth. Okay. That is different, obviously, than, you know, other parts where there's a difference, you know, or Louisiana where it's it. Just get it. Just get the, get the Southern accent, right? There are many- Oh, yes, yes, yes. And you see somebody doing a show and I'm telling you, I'm doing it right now. I'm like my Virginian accent is not dead on. And it, but it will get there. It will get there, but it's driving me insane because it's a it's a little it's a little broad stroke. It makes me crazy when people with broad stroke a southern accent as if it's out like this, you know. It's like <laughs>
0: yeah. well, people do that with Jews, they just go and it's like fuck you,
1: you yeah. fuck correct ding please ding the bell thank you that that you know I, I won't go in I won't go in more morose directions okay those Specific things those, those make me crazy
0: I love those I love those first of all I can't thank you enough for your time today and doing my podcast
1: deep I'm telling you I'm deeply honored
0: oh I'm God, serious. Thank you, Elizabeth Ann. Um, I really want to meet you in person. I want to meet Jordan Richard. He's I want a- to meet Josiah. What's the pitbull's name?
1: Orlando. Orlando. Middle name Arlecchino, based on an Italian Renaissance character who was only consumed with sex and food. Nice. Figure that was a. That's a good name,
0: and I, you got to explain that to Josiah too. Um, <laughs> but I can't. <laughs> I can't thank you enough.
1: You're, I can't wait to see you on Broadway. My word. We'll, we'll have, we'll have a whole time. Well, Anne, please. when are you back in New York? Uh, uh July 25th. Okay. Like if you and, Ann and myself, <gasps> were, I would just, Oh, well, you know what? Chenoweth is like another, a very uh, love. And Chenoweth is like a Southern Protestant girl. So it's like, if the four of us, like, let's do it. It'll solve all the problems. Okay, are. okay, I'm in,
0: and I want to be on your uh, Instagram. Thank you, Elizabeth A. Davis. We love you. Oh my gosh! Thank you so much for listening to part two of "Kill Me Now" with Elizabeth A. Davis, the incredibly talented Broadway Tony-nominated star. Kill Me Now is produced by Laura Vogel. It is edited by Colin Schmeling. This podcast would not be possible without Brittany Joe Sowards, who does everything else. Please, if you haven't subscribed and left a review, fucking do it. Come on, people. I need it, baby. Five stars. Get my book. Yes, I can say that. When they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble because you can read it at the beach. At the beach. If you go to the beach. So I, I just want to say I am really not happy with the country. It's not good. And um, I really can't stand these fucking guns. And I don't know what's happened to us, but it's, like, really depressing. So we got to fight. We got to fight and we got to stop being, like, you know, the Democrats are very, like, oh, oh, we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. No, nope. tough shit. Okay? Tough fucking shit. Okay? It's time to fight with fire. Fire! I also want to say that, you know, I I do get messages from people who listen to the end. So today's person who listens to the end, who I will be mentioning late. I'm looking it up on my phone right now. Today's person is Ryan Martinez! I love you, Ryan Martinez, who is adorable and wrote, he tweeted... Uh, Part one with Elizabeth A. A A Banks, but it's Davis. But you know, whatever. Let him think it's Elizabeth A. Banks. So good. And I always listen to the very end of every episode. I love you, Ryan Martinez. Let's see how cute he is. He's very cute. So thank you, Ryan. And for anyone else who's listening, I just, um, I don't know what to say because I'm so kind of, you know, what's the word? Gutted? Gutted by what's going on here. We have to vote. We fucking have to vote. And we can't let these people take over. But that seems to be what's happening. If you have an AR-15, I hope you shove it up your fucking ass. And, um, yeah, I don't know what else. I hope you have a wonderful week and that nothing horrible happens. But whatever. We know that in this country at this time, that's just not possible. So I want to leave you on a positive note. (laughs) Ha ha! (laughs) but thank you so much for listening I really do appreciate it this is as I've said before a labor of love and um, I appreciate the love and support and as we always say so long